the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton. And, uh, you know, today is a... uh, is a good, you know. It's also a joyous time, you know. I'm, it's it's the end of a uh, end of our summer outreach season. Uh, last night we had our uh, parents banquet. We invite all of the parents of the children to come in, and we were in camp all last week. Yes, we were in camp during those horrendous thunderstorms. <laughs> oh man, those storms cost those storms cost our program a lot. We lost. Uh, uh, we lost five tents and a canopy in those in those storms. <laughs> oh man, uh, rookie mistakes! You know, you know the only thing that was holding the, the canopy down was water. It had must had a and so 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 the director goes to get the water off the top of the canopy, and once he once he took a a, a stick and, and got the water to drain off the canopy. Uh, there was no more weight to hold the canopy down. The wind took it and just balled it up. You know what I mean? Because the ground was so wet, the stakes couldn't hold it, and the wind just took it. So, and uh, you know, the rookie mistake. He learned that the water was his friend. Really, he should have had him break it down when the storm came. But he was uh, just trying to worry about making sure kids were safe, and and uh, you can't fault that. So you know, it's like, you know, what's a five hundred? Fifty dollar canopy, you know. <laughs> What's a five hundred fifty dollar canopy? You know, <laughs> as long as everybody's safe, didn't from the rain and didn't get wet, right? So, uh, yeah, we 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 had a good time. It, you know, the facility where we camped at has a has an indoor facility, a, a, like a little barn, converted barn, and uh, everybody stayed there. And, and uh, we had our traditional imitate the staff time it's fun you know my wife came out with me we stayed out the night and uh and it was just fun seeing the kids have a good time and being able to laugh and imitate the staff and and uh even imitate me you know one, one little boy we went horseback riding and he kept uh just wouldn't sit still and nothing like that <laughs> and he was trying to imitate me because i told him i said i said i said i'm gonna make you into a leader whether you like it or not Son, you're gonna be a man, a man's man of your family. You understand that? So he's imitating me, John. He's like, you know, who am I? Son, I'm gonna make you a leader whether you want to or not. You're gonna be a man's man whether you want to or not. You understand? What? What? You don't believe me? Bring your neck over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh man, I had to die laughing, man. It's a good time, you know what I mean? Because you know, during the course of eight weeks, all day long. 
you know, you you say some things, but you know they come out. They know you love them, and uh, and and kids remember some stuff, man. They remember some stuff, man. They they go around, man. They they tell on the staff when the staff takes shortcuts or when they're trying to date on the side, they start snitching. You know, what I mean, it just it's just it's a funny time, and so it, it, it's it's good. And you know, we take a little bit of break, you know, because uh, sports season, fall sports have already started. All the little park board football teams and and our soccer teams and everybody's out there. And so uh, we take a little bit of break and first day of school for some is going to be as early as next week. And for some, uh, they'll wait till after Labor Day. And then we'll we'll start back up in October and uh, and then we'll start doing a weekly program with the kids. So uh, it never stops in, in that development. You know, great summer, uh, you know, getting ready to see off uh, all of our high school grads going to college and, you know, follow them up through that process. To get out there and it's good. So you become like family, you know, over the course of time. Because some of these kids have been journeying with us for for a long, long time. I got some kids that have uh, been journeying with us since they were like five and six years old. And they're 16 and 17 years old now. So it's, 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 it's good to see their development. Wish you can have them more. You know what I mean? You know, because uh, some of them don't have the luxury of, of still their parents haven't chosen, you know, to be a part of a church. So uh, though the kids come and, and do the youth thing, is it's just much. It's it it uh, it has a better result when the whole family is doing it together and doing the time. And so I want to talk to you today about family. I want to talk about family, and uh, you know, looking at family and and how family has become uh, twisted in the urban context. You know, uh, a generation uh, can be as early as fourteen or fifteen years. You know, I know in, in, in my family, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, 58 right now. But I remember when my cousin was 50, you know, uh, he became a, a great grandfather. <laughs> 50 years old, he was a great grandfather. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was like 48 when I became a grandfather. You know what I mean? I, I started in the game a little later than others, you know what I mean? But... You know, he was a dad at fifteen. He was a he was a grandfather at thirty one, and he was a great grandfather at fifty. You know, what I mean, because when you look at uh, people having babies at fourteen and fifteen years old, and uh, as opposed to you know sometimes in a more educated environment where people at least tend to wait until after they finish college or you know gotten down the career, you know, twenty five, twenty six years old. So you're talking about you know uh, uh, the generations come quicker. And uh, things get there a little quicker, so family gets redefined uh, in a in a different way. And and so when you look at family and and how God originated family to be, uh, even so much as saying how God originated family to be causes a stir amongst people. It instantly puts people on guard, and they feel that you know you're you're about to come in with a narrow a narrow viewpoint. You're about to x out some people. You're not going to be completely politically correct. Uh, you're going to be some kind of ist, you know what I mean? A, a socialist, a racist, or some kind of ist that you're going to become. But, you know, when you look at family and how God developed family to be, you know, according to our, our text or that Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, you know, we look at God, he, he, he made man first. You know what I mean? He made man first. And he put man out there and he put man to work. And man was out there working and God was looking for a suitable helpmate for man. And he brought every living creature before man 
But, you know, the scripture tells us that, you know, in, in Genesis chapter one, that that he found no one suitable for man out of all that had been created. And uh, and so sometimes we 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 go and, and, and in this marker, you know, I, our family is a large family. I have uh, 10 children, you know, under under my my charge, either through natural birth, through adoption or through uh, guardianship. And uh, and and that's just the way we never had a pet. You know, the only pet I've ever desired was a boa constrictor. My wife wasn't going for it. You know, I figured it would keep my in-laws out. You know, <laughs> I had a boa, you know, <laughs> nobody would come and visit me because they'll all be wondering where's the snake at because I wasn't going to keep them in a cage. You know what I mean? I was going to have a cage for them, but I was going to give them the free run of the house. You know what I mean? I was going to let the, let, the, let, let the boa exercise, be a part of the family. You know, try to break some of this serpent stigma that this poor snake has to carry around from from Genesis. You know, but she's not going for it, so it, it never happened. And when the, they, uh, every time it came down to thinking that, oh, should we, you know, give a home to a pet or something like that? I think about it. And I say, you know, one of God's children needs a home, so let's make a home for one of God's children. So thus ends up how I ended up with such a large following. You know, because <laughs> I always, if I have room. Uh, I tend to I tend to open it up for one of one of God's children first. You know what I mean to to to, to take that in. So he created woman for man. He created woman for man, uh, and he goes in there and you know just that 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 little bit of scenario enough um, during the whole gay marriage uh, debate and vote. Uh, I did an interview with the Minnesota Family Council, and uh, all the pastors that did an interview with the Minnesota family council got targeted and, and I got targeted and I, and I started getting all kind of complaints through the city about my property, whether my grass was too long, uh, my signs were out of cold. Uh, they came down and made me take all the signs off my building. And, uh, and so no one knows, you know, we still have people visit us out of the grace of God and there's no sign up there because when we went to put the sign back up because the sign was 18 inches too high, you know, which it should have been grandfathered in, but we use we were using an electrical sign backing to hold up a non-electrical sign. And so the guy wanted us to take it down. And when we took it down and put it back up, we found out we had to pull a permit, which was five hundred dollars, to put a sign on our building to the new code rule. And and when you when when you have the budget that we have, you know, if I'm gonna spend five hundred dollars uh, I'm going to spend it trying to win souls. I'm not going to spend it on the sign. And so, therefore, we were without a sign for over a year until we, you know, got the money to pay, you know, permit to put the sign up. So hopefully uh, this week, this weekend, you know, if I had to do it myself, uh, I'm going to put that sign back up and uh, and go. We couldn't even put up a sign advertising our VBS. We put up a VBS sign and, and, and uh, the, you know, the gay community called on us saying, do you have a permit for that sign? Because, you know, you have to have a, you got to get a permit, even put up a temporary sign. It's a, it's a free permit. You don't have to pay for it, but you got to go down to the city, ask for a permit to put up a sign for 30 days. You know, and all we were doing was advertising VBS. You know what I mean? That's all, it wasn't like we were advertising church times, a political opinion. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it hurt. It hurt because we've always, uh, we've always positioned ourselves as not one to, to judge anybody. Our church is the last church that can judge anybody. Cause you know, the, the, the joke amongst my peers is that you have to have a felony to come to my church because 
you know, I tend to reach out to people who've been rejected by other churches and, and or people who just don't want to handle them, you know what I mean? Because people tend to fall out two or three times before they really stick with us because, you know, just because trying to break away from that lifestyle, you know, we're, we're real good with people, uh, you know, who are caught up in the streets, meaning they're maybe caught up with an addiction or a hustle, you know, or maybe, in a, you know, just drug or gang lifestyle where, you know, God has given us favor in that area. And so we realize that, you know, some, some strongholds are not going to be broken in a day. And so we're real loving and we're real patient. And so, you know, to, to get that kind of a treatment or backlash was, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it did, it did hurt us some is that cause we've never positioned ourselves to go after anybody, you know, with, with like their sin was worse than ours. So it, it was a difference. So, but as a family, we stuck it out. God still sends us, you know, five, six, seven, eight visitors a month. People are drawn there, even though there's not a sign or a time out there that tells them what time to come. You know what I mean? Uh, besides a sandwich board sign. So we're, we're, uh, we're, we're blessed in that area, but that's, that's how God created family. And, but now family has taken on a different turn. Uh, you know, the, a male, a male, a male in the household is a rare thing, especially in the urban context let alone a male in leadership, you know, is out there. I know I myself was raised in a single parent home. My mom, my mom and dad split when I was six years old, you know, and if there was ever a male in there, he was never in charge. It was usually you know, a boyfriend of my mom's or something like that. And my mom was always in charge because it was her house, you know, uh, you know, whether that person was working or not didn't matter. Cause you know, my mom was the last shot caller cause her house, her kids. And that's just how it went. And, and so you, you, you grow up seeing that, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't see that with my grandparents because my, my, my grandfather was was there, even though they divorced, too. But they always gave that united front, you know, where granddad said went. But I know some some even in my own family, I know where uh, some of my cousins are on four generations of no male leadership. You know, there's no there's not a male leader in there, you know, and because and because the government is quick to step in and become daddy or mommy. You know, what I mean, depending on which way it goes, uh, the, they did a, a survey amongst, you know, amongst urban youth and 75 uh, percent uh, of uh, females felt that they did not need a man to help them raise their child. Because they said, I seen my mother do it, my grandmother do it, so I can do it. I don't I don't need a man. And 80 percent of males said that it's the woman's responsibility to raise a child not the man's, you know what I mean? Because that's what they grew up seeing that, you know, the woman gets to, she gets the, the benefits, she gets the things, she's more access to, to the monies. And, uh, and so that's her responsibility to do that. You know, God has it. God's way is a flip side of that. And Satan loves flipping around God's standards. You know what I mean? You got to understand this whole war is based upon Satan trying to take away all of God's, influence in our society god says pray satan says don't pray god says protect the unborn satan says sacrifice the unborn god says give yourself for others satan says use others for yourself you know so when we 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 look at that and we look at what's going on how do we communicate to a kid or what family truly is and and come into context and yet when we don't come from that kind of family ourselves so we so we got to ask these questions and so when my my answer to those questions, I just go to the Bible. When I go to the Bible and I try to fill out the relationship, you know, the New Testament. You have the book of Ephesians that talks about 
uh, relationships between man and woman and, and then parent-child. And then in the Old Testament, you have the Torah that, that gives you relationships that must be maintained. And how do we blend these together to come out with something that's there, especially in the urban context where we work at, where, you know, it's it's quite obvious that this has already become well-rooted for generations. And how do we battle that? So as we come up on the break, when we come back from the break, I just want to talk to you about, about you know, how to be biblical in an unbiblical world and how to shape and mold your family and just a little bit of my journey and what I had to go through to mold my family in a biblical context. So stay tuned. You listen to Isaiah 61 on KKMS 980 AM. TheFishTwinCities.com is home to the best in today's Christian music. The best melodies. Give me a heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. The top artists. And the greatest message. Listen on TheFishTwinCities.com and with the free mobile app. The Fish Twin Cities. Safe for the whole family. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Hey, welcome back to Spirit Lord Church's radio ministry, Isaiah 61, Hill Tale 980, The Mission. Uh, I'm Joe Sutton, and uh, we're talking about family. I want to start a little piece on family, uh, you know, just looking at it. At, at, it's not only we can sit around and talk about the state of our families and where our families are, but, you know, I believe that we should spend time on, on how, how do we get uh, back to where God wants us to be. You know what I mean? And I know that one of the things that, that I... I have done as a byproduct of what I do is, 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 is becoming the family piece. Uh, one of my guys that, uh, later on is we, you know, working with kids with track and sometimes you wonder whether you're actually reaching them and they really understanding what you're saying. And, uh, you know, and, and mind you, you know, I'm just an evangelist, right? I'm just trying to get people to uh, make a change and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know if I can get their hearts right, I can get everything else right. And uh, so one day we were sitting talking and, uh, you know, he had had a couple kids early in life, you know, uh, got got, you know, got to college and got a little free. Uh, at least they I mean, they were with the same girlfriend, but, you know, never married or nothing like that. And uh, but one thing, one of the things he said, he, I said, so he said, man, I, I really enjoyed my time with the Striders, the young man who can come from a Muslim background. I mean, he's a Christian now. Matter of fact, he's working at a Christian school. Uh, you know, just doing great things. But he was, he was like, the one thing that impressed me the most was being able to see you and how you interacted with your family. Because though I have a big family, you know, I really have a bigger family than what I, than nine, I mean, than 10, you know, because that doesn't count all the people I've mentored or discipled or led in my home or friends, my kids, friends and stuff like that, that I had to become a father to. But, you know, I would always let the kids come to my house and, uh, 
you know, spend the night the night before the track meet so they wouldn't have to get up early and get on the bus or come by and they might just want to spend the night with my kids and, and um and you know, and they got a chance. He said, I got a chance to see how a man treats his family. And then the other dads, because there were other dads on the on the uh, track team, he said, and they would travel with their kids. And he said, one of the things I came out of it with is that when I had kids, I wanted to treat my kids like you guys treated your kids. I wanted to, I wanted to go on the on the sports trips with them. I wanted to be there with them. I wanted to cheer them on, help other help other kids that might not have a dad. And that's what he does today. Matter of fact, he started a ministry of AAU basketball ministry, focusing on leadership and a relationship with Christ, and he's doing quite well. And you know, I kind of help him through bumpy roads in that process and what he's doing. But I never started out trying to be an example of what a you know a Christian family was because I didn't know. You know, I, I I didn't know what it was. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And I was I was raised in in, uh, in uh, nightclubs and running around and throwing parties and doing stuff like that, and so. I didn't really know what to do, but the one thing I did do when I became a Christian is I made sure I latched onto and became, uh, you know, friends with other men in my church that I saw how well they treated their kids. And one of the ways I chose a family to follow was I taught Sunday school. And when I would run up on a kid that was mellow in spirit, you know, no trouble, really loved the word, I immediately went to go meet their parents. You know what I mean? Because uh, your children are a reflection of you, a reflection of your home. And and that's what drew me there. You know, children aren't mentioned in our marriage vows or anything like that, but they're they're an outcome or fruit of a fruitful relationship between a man and a woman. And the key relationship in any family is the relationship between the man and the woman. Dobson says now that the number one cause of divorce in America is child-centered homes. People tend to have a child, and all of a sudden the child becomes the center of the home. Everything revolves around the child, you know, what the parents do, where they go, and the parents lose touch with each other, and, and everything is about the child. And so one of the things that I made sure I instituted in our marriage, and it was hard because my, my wife is a mom, you know what I mean, is that we would not have a child-centered home. You know, I remember when my, my boys were 15 months and 30 months old, uh, I put them in the car and drove them to Chicago and left them there with my mother. <laughs> she took them on a train trip to Mississippi to, to explore their roots. And it was hard for my wife to let them go. But, you know, cell phones cost a lot of money in those days. So I didn't have to worry about her calling every day, <laughs> you know, looking for them, you know, trying to find them. And it was hard for my wife, you know, to get there. And I said, honey, I said, you know, when we entered into this relationship, it was me and you, you know what I mean? And for the next 10 days, it's going to be me and you. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be them, you know what I mean? So I said, let's enjoy this. And, you know, we've always gotten away a couple times a year, uh, and, and somebody's watched the kids for us, an in-law, somebody in church, and we've always cherished our personal relationship, and we never became a, a child-centered home, you know what I mean? And at 18 uh, so far, eight running at 18. I got them march out at 18, and they embark upon their own life. And, uh, you know, I haven't had any come back. So I, I must be doing so good. They, they they stick and they work. But you got to get to that point. But I, I wouldn't have never known that if I hadn't, uh, if I had not have spent and developed relationships with other godly men to speak into my life and watch how they treated their wives and how they treated their family, because I didn't know people. I didn't know. I know in our podcast, um, you know, a read Bible for myself, 
I do church myself age, you know, the one thing that you can't do is fellowship and equip yourself. You know, church is a place of fellowship. God, Jesus designed the discipleship model to be one of submission and to be one of fellowship. And and you can't do that by yourself. You know, even even if you want to say you like Paul and you're going to get your three years in the wilderness, Paul still came out and served 14 on top of that. You know, being in fellowship with people that he knew more Bible than, you know what I mean? But he submitted and he stayed in fellowship. And, and, and that's, and that to me, I credit that to my success and the success of my family is that I submitted myself to other godly men and allowed them to teach me not only what the scriptures say about how I be the family, but they teaching me how to listen to the Holy spirit and, and, and handle things that, that I just can't clearly state and find in scripture. And so even now what the things our family is embarking on and what we're doing, uh, you know, our kids hold our dreams, our sins, our blessings of me and my wife. And the scripture tells us to train them in the way that they should go. But if I don't know where they should go, how can I train them in where they should go? And so learning how to hear the voice of God, what the purpose of is your children, what it is, is a key component. So stay tuned. Come back next week. We're going to talk about a little bit more of what we can do to get back on track to being biblical and make sure future generations don't have to deal with the piecemeal family that we have today. God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 